The podcast you're about to hear is perhaps the last course of Thanksgiving Day weekend. With all the football, with all the family, let this jam-packed podcast be the last cleanse-it-palling topper to just a fantastic weekend of food, family, and of course, football. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this one. It's the Grind Hours Podcast and it's coming in your ear Telling you all of the news that you need to hear Baseball talking, football talk, and NBA as well Joe has got the highlights and it's just like show and tell Joe and all his radio friends, make sure the updates never end Breaking news and analysis, tennis Hello and welcome to the Grind Hours podcast for Tuesday, November 28th, 2023, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, and I hope your Thanksgiving was fantastic. I hope your food coma is over by now. Mine isn't. I'm still going strong five days in. I have... He says as he shovels a raspberry into his mouth. Right. Uh, The voice you're hearing is... The great Nick Parodies, who's joining me yet again in his weekly spot during football season. And Nick, it's a jam-packed show. Absolutely jam-packed show. Probably, all told, the best football weekend of the year. Majority for college reasons, not pro reasons. Rivalry week. Rivalry week. Yeah, baby. Feast week, if you're a college basketball fan, it was a tremendous, tremendous sports weekend. And it was really highlighted by two awful, is that a liquid death? It is, Armless Palmer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know you so well. Um, But I would never drink live on the show. (laughs) Not like we've done that before. Um, no, never, never, it's never happened. Never happened, never will happen. Who We are, we are, uh, we, we are too good for that. But it was really highlighted by two awful football games on either end of the weekend, the Jet game, and whatever the hell last night was. I mean, seriously. Yes. I mean, we could start here just for a minute. Well, the, um, the, friend of the show, Tom Fornelli. Yes. Um, made a great, uh, great comment about it. He says, America, you know, watches this game and says, my God, this is an awful foot game. What are the Bears doing? I watch it and say, this is every Bears game I've ever seen. Well, the Jet- the, the Bears took the Jets approach to winning, which is just kick as many field goals as humanly possible and hope for the best. Yep. The Steeler <laughs> approach to winning. Well, no, because the Steelers, they just hope for a miracle in the fourth quarter and George Pickens to be open. But it was nice to see, I will say on the Steelers real quick, it was nice to see Mike Sullivan calling plays again. I haven't seen him since the Ben McAdoo Giants era. So I was wondering what was happening with him. The first time they got over 400 yards since week two of 2020. Yeah. Oh, Canada. 
Yeah. He's oh, no can- more. Oh, Canada, indeed. But that Bears game the Pitt just... Panthers have an offensive coordinator position open. They're, they're not, he, he they're wouldn't not even hi- have to move. They're not hiring, trust me. That was the number <laughs> one place they were saying fire Canada. But yes. with the Bears, I mean, they should have won that game. They should have had 30 points. They should have won that game by three touchdowns. It was, I mean, Josh Jobs. I, I love the Rocketeer, but... The wheels that, finally fell off the wagon. Four that, interceptions. My God. It was God. like watching a net, like it was like watching a rocket fail. That's yeah. exactly, the, the Rocketeer failed last night. It was a failed launch. He was awful. Absolutely awful. Justin Fields, not much better, but at least, you know, if you're another team, you could potentially talk yourself into fixing him because he's definitely showed signs mm-hmm. in every game. More signs than, and Jet fans are rolling their eyes, more signs than Zach Wilson has ever shown. Yes. Actual competent signs of leading to winning football games. Other signs that are just completely head stretching, but burying the lead here. Yeah. Because this is the biggest local story in some time with the football teams. And that is one Tommy DeVito, the national yes. hero of New Jersey. And I mean, it's DeVito mania. It really is. It is. If you're an Italian person in the tri-state area, this is one of your many victory laps that you can take. This is but Italian people's Lynn sanity. It really is. It really is. <laughs> and I will. I will say this, Nick. Tell me if I'm off base here. Mm-hmm. Tommy DeVito is basically just the Giants' version of Mike White. Yes. You're 100% on the money. This is exactly... He's a I mean, folk that's hero. It, that's pretty much what we were, what we were uh, getting at last week, is, is that this guy's a, a folk hero, like you said. Um, Italian Linsanity. And <laughs> the Giants have... have the Giants have struck gold. They've got, a, they've got a, a cheap, undrafted backup quarterback who can do the job. Well, and that's what... Uh, that That's the big debate here. Because I was just listening to... DPHO and Rothenberg earlier, and, and and Don came on. Don called mm-hmm. in because he doesn't want the Giants to lose. He, he wants them to try to win games and find a way to try to win because mm-hmm. that's what, in professional football, that's what leads to you becoming a competent organization, you finding ways to win. And he, he went on, you know, I, I, I want to just paraphrase it here, you know, what the Eagles are doing, what the Niners are doing, they're picking – quarterbacks in the second and in the seventh round respectively and they're winning football games Jalen Hurts is the second best quarterback in football Brock Purdy wasn't too long ago he was undefeated in his career as a starter we were we were basically handing him the MVP I know I was yep so you don't have to have this top pick to potentially groom a quarterback yeah and sure it makes it potentially easier to do it with a high pick. You have a, a higher guaranteed rate of success. But if you have someone like Tommy DeVito's winning games, why rock the boat? Why go with the, the other hand, so to speak? I do think we're going to have an interesting conversation about should Tyrod Taylor be the starter moving forward. 
No, you. I think you're right with the hot hand. Th- th- I think you this, do too. This locker room's completely behind Tommy DeVito, like completely behind him. I mean, the yes. Giants played the Sopranos theme when he was introduced to the crowd. Yeah, the, the entire the fan base is behind him. The team is behind him. It would be foolhardy for Brian Dable to go back to Tyrod Taylor, even though I think Tyrod Taylor could be a valuable asset to. DeVito in the quarterback room, you have to ride the hot hand until DeVito flames out. And even then, I still think you ride with him because, like Don said this morning, if you find out that Tommy DeVito is a good option as a backup quarterback, you just basically saved $10.5 million. Yes, exactly. Because you don't have to get, you can get rid of Tyrod Taylor, let him walk, and use that somewhere else. And improve your team somewhere else. Because God knows this offense needs drastic improvement. But if you have a backup quarterback, at least you know that. And That's $10 million that can now be spent on a better offensive line. I know this is going to be just the entire discourse over the offseason. It is the exact... And I know I've brought this up countless times i'm starting to sound like a broken record myself it's the jet situation from a couple of years ago do you stay with darnold or do you draft the quarterback and with the giants do you stay with jones you ride devito until jones comes back and he's healthy because who knows when he's going to come back with the way that shane's talking over the past couple of days Mm -hmm. do you draft the wide receiver do you trade down get more draft picks and draft marvin harrison like there's going to be two camps Either you draft the rookie quarterback, one of the these four darlings that are quote-unquote can't misses, or do you ride with Daniel Jones? And personally, as a non-Giant fan, I flip-flop. This is a hard decision. I don't think it's as clear-cut as it was with the Jets a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I've, I've flip-flopped on it several times myself, and... It's going to be the story all the way up until they ultimately make the pick in in April. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no clear answer here. I think, especially especially now that they're four and eight, they're ahead of the commanders in the division. They're in third place. And they're in the hunt. They're somehow in the hunt. It's not unreasonable to think that Tommy DeVito could get this team to eight wins. They're not going to beat the Eagles. Hold on. Yeah. Let's play the game. I have the schedule right here. Let's, let's do it. Let's play the win-loss, win-win-loss game. Obviously, they have a bye next week. You have a yes. stress-free football weekend. We can we can go, we can, you know, eat Italian heroes and chicken cutlets all weekend like Tommy DeVito. Yep. Monday night against Green Bay. Uh, week I 14. Think, I think they win. I mean, it's I a bye too. week. It's a long week on top of that. They got tons of time to prepare. There, that's that's a win. That's five and eight. Plus uh, Detroit, or Detroit, Green Bay's playing Kansas City next week, so mm-hmm. they're gonna just get roughshod the entire week. They're gonna be licking their wounds. Who knows if Aaron Jones is healthy? Jordan Lums is hot and cold. This defense is me okay. It's nothing special. Mm-hmm. So, and Brian Dable, if Brian Dable is as good of a head coach as everybody thinks he is, good head coaches. Don't lose coming off of a bye week. And it's at home. Yes. The place and is going to be rocking. 
It's going to be DeVito's first time in prime time. Let's see if he actually can hold up the muster. But week 15, you're in New Orleans. That's a win. I'm sorry. That's a win. Even on a it's... short week going on the road. New Orleans stinks. They stink. Are we in agreement? Yes. Six and eight. Next weekend, we are in agreement again. They're at Philadelphia. That is going to be a drubbing. Absolutely. Yep. Just turn it off. At no the... shot. <laughs> <laughs> six following, and nine following week they they host the rams they can win that too and then they close it out who knows if philadelphia is actually going to play their starters like they did that's, last year that's the thing with the the week 17 that's why the week 17 game to me is interesting because we've i mean when we do the win loss to start the year we write it off as a loss but now we're at a point the eagles are what 10 and 1, 11 mm-hmm. and 1. I mean, they could have this thing wrapped up in like two or three weeks. So there's you you would assume that they're gonna call off the dogs, they're gonna um bring in the backup players for, for week 17. And then you finish with eight wins, eight and nine. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is that's not a playoff record, but this is kind of a putrid NFC conference this year. They could end up in the wild card hunt at eight and nine, as crazy as that is to say, and as as impossible as it would have seemed two weeks ago that the Giants could make a run, here they are. With a third string quarterback. Yeah. With your third, and that's what's so impressive, even more so than the whole Tommy DeVito story. And it, it really is a great story. But it's your third string quarterback. It's a guy who... They didn't allow pass the football for two weeks. And now he, he dimes up the commander's defense. And I know that the Patriots are nothing special, but 17 to 25 for 191 yards and a touchdown against the Bill Belichick defense, a defense that rookie quarterbacks are not supposed to do that to. And I know the game was dreadful. It set offensive NFL football back. 40 years. It was bad. It was almost as bad as the Bears-Vikings game. Almost. Yeah. yeah. But we've seen what Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks. He eats them up and chews them out, like, and spits them out. He, That's his specialty, making rookie quarterbacks life hell. And DeVito looked like Tommy DeVito. He looked like himself. He, he didn't look overwhelmed by disguises and fake blitzes and having trouble deciphering the defense. He threw the ball where the ball needed to go. And guess what? He didn't throw a pick. Right. He hasn't thrown a pick in two straight games. I don't how many picks does he have all season? He's only got like one or two, I think. He's got so, three. Right. So in what? Five games? Yeah. I mean, that's not terrible at all. I just, I don't think, I don't think winning these games is as detrimental to you as it was to the Jets in the Lawrence draft. It's certainly proven itself out that way. It didn't look like that two weeks ago, but it does look like that now. Transitioning really quickly to my Jets. Um, oof, oof. I would just like a moment of silence for the 2023 season, officially. Offic- uh, and I said 
I, I was the last one to throw out uh, to lose hope on this team. We're it's done. It's over. It, it is. It's over. It, I mean, and this is, this is the damning indictment of that quarterback room that Robert Sala has kind of alluded to all year when constantly asked, why is Zach still starting? They didn't have anybody else. Well, and uh, I, I, I hate to be this guy defending Tim Boyle because Tim Boyle, we, you know, talking about didn't look good. He looked atrocious. I mean, he looked like he, he couldn't play. And I'm not even going to get into the fail Mary. I mean, that that is just, can we not play on Thanksgiving or Black Friday? It only seems to come up with once-in-a-generation plays that are the definition of laughable. Mm-hmm. But it was a short week. It was a extenuating circumstance with the Black Friday game and all the pomp and circumstance of, you know, this is the... F- we're breaking ground on a uh, on something new here, mm-hmm. and it's Tim Boyle. I mean, like you want to know with DeVito, I want to know if the Jets have a backup quarterback. I want to know, God forbid, if Rodgers goes down again next year for any sort of time that we have a competent backup quarterback to fill in and actually get this team to stay on track. Not you know, keep trugging along at the same pace with Rodgers because no no team in the league could do that with, with losing their back, with their starting quarterback. But at least know that things aren't going to go completely off the rails like they have this year. And with Zach, the, the entire, and I almost wanted to, to walk into traffic yesterday, listening to the K-Show walking to the train to go to work, mm-hmm. talking about, whoa, you, you, you know, you could put, you could potentially have Zach back there. No, are you kidding me? You you want to completely lose the locker room? You want to run it back this year or next year with Salah and Douglas? And you're going to throw Zach back in there after you've benched him now three times? Three, three times. times. He's basically inactive. Trevor Simeon's the, the backup quarterback. He's the emergency break last in case we need you because we don't have anybody else to actually play. He can't play. We know he can't play. Why are we fooling ourselves into believing that there's something there? Nick, have we just had collective amnesia that the past three years haven't happened? He he can't play. We know the answer. Tim Boyle, we've seen him for a week. I know his career in college. I know his career with, with the Lions and the Packers. I get it. But he's been here for an hour. Mm-hmm. Why are we punting him to the wolves for someone we know is incapable of doing anything? Yes, exactly. And I could see the argument for I I could see the argument for bringing in um Trevor Simeon to finish the season, but it, it, it once you start talking about putting Zach Wilson back out there, you've officially lost me. I mean, we know this guy can't do it. And maybe he can do it somewhere else. Maybe he's the next Geno Smith, and he goes away for six, seven years, and in 2030, he's starting mm-hmm. for the Houston Texans or something like that and actually doing pretty well. Maybe, but I, I, it's aggravating 
beyond belief that we're even still entertaining any of our time talking about a, so, something we, we, we know the answer to. We know that already. Stop. He should be sent home to Utah. He yes. should not be allowed to play. He should actually go read a book or something. <laughs> Just take some Seriously. time off, Zach. Right. Clear your head. You're not going to be with us next year. The focus for the Jets for the remainder of the year is two things. One, find out if Nathaniel Hackett is actually worth his salt and can call offensive plays because it doesn't seem like he can. And number two, figure out what the hell to do with the backup quarterback situation. Figure out if it's Tim Boyle or if it's Trevor Simeon. Or if it's the answer is neither of them, go out and go outside the organization. Get a Baker Mayfield. Get get a you know Gardner Minshew. Get a Jacoby Brissett. Hell, get Jameis Winston. I don't care. Get Honestly, someone. Get an Andy Dalton. Someone who's competent someone who can- enough. Who can actually come in and play and is not going to give you Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle numbers. There are three things the Jets need in the offseason. Offensive line help, number one. You have a 40-year-old quarterback, period. Just you need to keep him upright for as long as possible. We need to draft an offensive line with the pick. Number two, we need a wide receiver. We need a second wide receiver that's actually decent enough to take some pressure off Garrett Wilson. Not Alan Lazard. Not Alan Lazard. Even though I think Lazard could potentially be a nice third option, he's just had a bad year. He's coming to New York, microscopes on him when it wasn't really in Green Bay, and he can't really handle it. He's having a bad year. It happens. I I still think Lazard – look, I wasn't looking at Alan Lazard as being, you know, Wes Welker to Randy Moss or or Chris Carter to Randy Moss or, you know – Chad Ocho Cinco and T.O. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not, I wasn't looking for that. I, I I want him to be a nice option. You know, a safety blanket. A, right. oh yeah, Lazard's here type of guy. Third thing is run defense. I've Desperately been a needed. They're 30th in run defense. 30th. It's the one thing that's holding this team back from being an all-time defense. They're a good defense. They aren't a great defense. And I flip-flopped on that all year. But you look at this team in the past defense and rushing the passer, they are as good as it gets. You, you can't get better than they are. But run defense, oh, they stink. You could run the ball on this team, maybe not early, but you could run it on them late. And it's one of the things that's really holding this team back. And please, for the love of God, I will, we will get off the Jets because I, I will ran on this and then, and then we will need to break. Yeah. Anybody, period, saying the Jets should draft a quarterback in the upcoming draft should be shot into the sun. They, <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. Zero. Absolutely no idea what you are talking about. And that's not just because Aaron Rodgers is here. Nick, the Jets have no idea what they're doing with drafting rookie quarterbacks. You want... The guy who gave you Zach Wilson, 
to draft and develop another quarterback? You really want that? You want Jaden McDaniels to come in here and and waste his talent because the Jets have zero idea of how to develop a quarterback? They haven't developed a good quarterback in 20 years. Right. Chad Pennington, the, the first quarterback I ever rooted for, was the last quarterback that the Jets drafted and developed. He was drafted in the year 2000. Mark Sanchez was a bust. Geno Smith was a bust. Greg McElroy, bust. Christian Hackenberg, bust. Bust. Zach Bryce Wilson, Petty, bust. Bryce Sam Petty, Darnold. Darnold. Zach Wilson. They're all busts. All of them. They all didn't pan out here. Why? Because It's not because their lack of talent. It's because, look at Geno Smith. You think that was a lack of talent? He's killing it now. And I know, late bloomer. Fine, I get it. But he was still on the Jets. The Jets can't develop quarterbacks. They can't. They can develop pass rushers. They can develop secondary players. They can develop running backs. They can't develop quarterbacks. They, they are incapable of doing so. Again, I mean, they the, haven't done it in 20 years. 20, not 5, I, 20. <laughs> I mean, everything that needs to be said can be summed up with uh, two seasons. The two best quarterback seasons that the Jets have had and probably the two best seasons overall that this franchise has had in the last 20 years was the Brett Favre, I mean, regular seasons, was the Brett Favre year and the Ryan Fitzpatrick year. Both quarterbacks who were veteran quarterbacks brought in outside of the organization because of utter quarterback failure. Geno Smith got punched in the face. That's the only reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick was a thing. And hello, he was the last Jet quarterback to throw for over 3,000 yards. That was 2015. Yeah. It's 2023. There are people who can legally buy a drink and still have two years removed from when Pennington was drafted. Yeah. We're sending people off to war who haven't seen a competent Jet quarterback. (laughs) What are we talking about here? They can't do it. That's oh, but fine. they got to draft another one. No, they don't. You, <sighs> you want to just sit here and do the same song and dance, or do you actually want to progress as an organization? I get when Rodgers is done, we're going to have to figure it out. But guess what? Go sign another quarterback. I, I'm fine with being the bridge until you actually get somebody in here that is worth their salt in developing a quarterback, that's a quarterback guru. And fine, if when Rodgers leaves and you want to fire Salah and and get a new GM and you want to bring in a guy like John Harbaugh, who is or Jim Harbaugh, who's been a quarterback whisperer every single place he's gone in the pros, fine, do that. But you don't have the personnel in either the pro scouting department or the coaching staff in the organization on the pro team that can develop a quarterback. You can't. I'm sorry. I've seen it. It doesn't happen. All right. We've gone way too long. (laughs) I'm sorry. It was worth it. We will come back. It was so worth it. 
we will talk some college football. I'll actually be happy because I'm still riding the high of, of Saturday. Back after this. Feed Hudson Valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the Hudson Valley operating through Dutchess, Orange, Ulster, Columbia, Green, Putnam, and Sullivan counties. It links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistant programs. Through an app-assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies, Feed Hudson Valley facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self-stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch, and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chowmatch app when a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network currently includes over 300 volunteers, 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year, on average, Feed Hudson Valley rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit feedhv.org. Again, that's feedhv.org. One more time, spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. Coming back here as Nick munches on yet another raspberry. How many raspberries you've got in that damn bowl? I got a whole box. <laughs> you've been munching on the entire podcast. But I will keep munching. I'll, we will... I'll, I won't do it uh, a whole lot because obviously the people want to hear our beautiful voices, not my beautiful <laughs> chewing. But We will switch to the only thing that's bringing me joy right now. And mm-hmm. that is the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, yeah. Three in a row. Nick, yeah. when we started this podcast, it was in the depths of eight straight losses to Ohio State. It was everybody at OSU dancing on, on the graves, mocking Michigan. You're never going to win again. You are you don't deserve to be in the Big Ten. This isn't even a rivalry anymore. I've heard it all. Heard it all. Here we are. A lot can change in three years. How this many wins, a... Nick? How many wins does Ryan Day have against Michigan? Uh, just the one, 2019. How many wins does Sharon Moore have over Ohio State? One. That's all you need to know. Hey, yeah. hey, Ryan Day. Bye. Nice knowing you, pal. Go have fun at Texas A&M. I do think. I do think it's very funny that. Um, uh, he he was considered for the Texas A&M job and was thinking about it because he wants to get away from the too high expectations of the Ohio State fan base. Yeah, that'll solve your problem. Going to a, a, a team with notoriously reasonable expectations, Texas A&M. Go get drilled by Saban once a year. Yeah. Although I do think, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they hired Mike Elko as their coach. Let me uh, I- double check that. I don't personally. I don't want Ryan Day going anywhere. I love watching his whiny little face lose the Michigan every year. I love it. I, th- 
please employ him. Give him a lifetime contract. I want to beat his ass every single year. Mm. He is as whiny of a coach I've ever seen, and it makes me smile from ear to ear whenever Ohio State's losing because he is the biggest crybaby. We should replace the crying meme with Ryan Day's face. But he is it, it, He's a rat. He's, a, he's the definition of a whiny little rat. They did indeed hire Mike Elko, by the way, at Texas A&M. So Ryan Good. Day is staying. Good. Um, hey, I, by get the to, way, I get to keep the, the guy who can't beat Michigan. By the Let's way, uh, I'm looking at the video from his introductory press conference where they're all <laughs> dancing around singing the, the fight song Kumbaya style. <laughs> I mean, I it's, love- legit- it's legitimately a cult down there. Dude, I love college football, and I love weird introductory press conferences for coaches that are just gonna just they're just gonna jettison in three years. Yep, Elko is making seven million dollars a year, and he has various incentives that can make him upwards of five million if he includes um, includes things like winning the SEC, uh, making the college football playoff, different college football playoff wins, ultimately a national championship bonus of about three point five million. So in other words, Mike Elko will be making $7 million a year. <laughs> well, they might sneak into the 12-team playoff. Maybe. 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 But getting back to Michigan. I don't know if there's any 7-5 and five opening slots. for. Uh... <laughs> getting back to Michigan. Yeah, what a game. It was, and, you know, Harvey, I work Saturdays with Harvey, and we watch. I have one, just one stipulation with the four TVs. If Michigan's playing at noon, one of those four is on the Michigan game because I want. I I just need to watch the Michigan game. And Harvey knows this, and he's cool with it. And he just he makes jokes at my own dispense that oh, you know, Joe's sweating out. You know, Michigan going up against UNLV this week, or Maryland this week, or Penn State this week. I I, I was. As cool as a cucumber the entire season. I, I had a even, uh, my pulse didn't go over like 70 the entire year. But then we got to Ohio State. It was at 140. Like it was, <laughs> I was as nervous, as anxious, as humanly possible. I was on pins and needles. It was not a fun experience. But. And by was, the way. Go ahead. What, you know, <laughs> I, I, I said to my family, you know, as, as. Some people know I was in Ohio for uh, Thanksgiving, if you listen to last week's show. Um, so I was there up close and personal, surrounded by Ohio State fans, the one guy rooting for Michigan, just like last year at the Super Bowl, where everybody wanted the Eagles to win and I was going Chiefs. <laughs> I was saying to my family, man, like, I, I think I'm the bad luck charm. You got to stop inviting me up for these big games. No, because- keep going. Go, 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 just visit Ohio every year. Mm. If that's what it takes, I, I will. I, I, but this team, you know, Nick, you and I were having this conversation after the game on Saturday, and they, it was a tremendous game, absolutely tremendous game, instant classic. It was as phenomenal a game as you can get. It was not a blowout. It was at, Michigan stood tough. I will say this about Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's a good team. They are a good team. They yeah. aren't a great team. They aren't a world beater, clearly. But Michigan was looked at as soft and weak 
and cheaters, and they stood tough against the second best team in the country at that point and beat them fair and square. They, they took them to task and they out that team and absolutely dominated when it mattered most in the trenches. That's the heart and soul of Michigan football. Win it in the trenches. We played our game and we beat the team that shall not be named for a third straight year in a row. And what is now looked at as cheating and what are you going to say now? Like, what are you going to say now? They, they beat Penn State in Penn State. I know Penn State doesn't win big games, but they still went in Penn State with Sharon Moore in his first ever, well, not first ever big road game mm-hmm. of his career as the head man. Went into Maryland, fought slings and arrows, and, and squeaked out a game that they, probably should have been a lot, uh, you know, at, not as close as the, as it was. Then they stood tall against Ohio State. Nick, you can't say anything. It's not cheating. No. They, uh, you know, Connor Stallions, f- way far gone. They they fired a linebacker's coach that was kind of like spearheading this whole thing and, and keeping it away from the people who should know on the team. I Harbaugh's back now. I mean, this team, I get it. They're not going to be number one in the country. Georgia is still going to be number one in the country going into championship weekend. But when Michigan absolutely curb stomps Iowa and they have Jim Harbaugh and Corum's running all over the place, same with Donovan Edwards and Mm -hmm. McCarthy's looking great and this defense is all primed and ready. Unless Bama absolutely destroys, or unless Georgia absolutely destroys Alabama, which I don't think is going to be the case. I think it's going to be closer than people think. If that's a close game, if that's a, you know, within 10 point game and Michigan absolutely dominates Iowa, you have to put Michigan at number one, no? You, yeah, you do. Um, I, I think they are the best team in the country right now. I This is the one thing I will say, though, why the committee may not put them at one. And I don't think it's a reflection of their talent necessarily, but the two and three seeds this year play in the Rose Bowl. This is the last year ever that the Rose Bowl will have some sort of conference tie-in before we move into it being the permanent semifinal next year. and. It's shaping up very nicely for Michigan-Washington, one last Pac-12, Big Ten hurrah in the Rose Bowl. It's a poetic story. I understand from a competitive perspective, Michigan probably should be number one, but I think they're just not going to be able to resist the stars aligning like that. I get it, and it's a Especially TV since show. Georgia and Florida State would be in the Sugar Bowl, which is also a traditional SEC versus other Eastern team matchup. And I get that, but, and, you know, a bunch of people are coming at Michigan fans on, on all the various social medias. What has Michigan done? Who have they beaten? It's They just beat Ohio State. Nick, right. what's Georgia's? Big win. 
who like who have they beat? They do not have a signature win up to this point. I mean, the best you, you, you really want to compare probably... UNLV and Hawaii to UT Martin and Ball State and UAB? Yeah, like what are we talking about here? I mean, you, the you... best the best wins that they probably have are Missouri and Miss Ole Miss. Those are the two best teams that they've played so far. A win over Alabama in the SEC championship game, which will probably happen, is going to be their signature win. But I th- I think Michigan is the best roster in this country, and I think Michigan's going to win the national championship. Oh my god, dude! That would be that would be tremendous. And that's my next question before we move on to other college football notes from a, just a glorious weekend of college football. Mm-hmm. This team seems like with the Michigan versus everybody mantra, with Harbaugh coming back, this team feels like a team of destiny. It does. Feels like that. Do you believe that's to be the case? I do. I think I think this is the best shot that they've had. Um, they're going into the playoffs. JJ McCarthy's another year experience. They've got both running backs healthy this time. The defense is looking good. I think this is setting up very nicely for a Michigan-Georgia showdown in the championship game. And like we were just saying, I think Michigan's better than Georgia right now. I just, it it seems... Georgia's been there before, which is going to make it difficult. I mean, this will not be a TCU-style drumming last year where Georgia wins 66-7, to but... Even though Michigan still should have had a shot at the end of that TCU game, it was a bogus non-targeting call. I'm not saying Michigan would have won, but they would have had a mm-hmm. shot with no time left. And who knows yeah. what would have happened. But it was a BS uh, non-targeting call that you know any other game, any other time of year that's going to get called. Whatever, I'm still crying we're gonna over get, milk. We're going to get this year what we should have gotten last year. And Georgia, as a Michigan fan, does scare the hell out of me. <laughs> they can move the ball. Especially if uh, if Bauer comes back. But I I just it seems like a, a store like a movie. This Michigan team just seems like a, a movie with everything that's happened this year, self-inflicted or not. It seems like a movie. And in all honesty, and I don't want to get into you know cheating politics and what's worse and what's not. What we're really talking about is buying hamburgers and flying an advanced scout to a game, which are not which are two rules that are you know in the grand scheme of things. It's not like, you know, we were paying This is not the SMU death penalty. Right. No, yeah. th- th- this isn't strippers in recruits dorm rooms like what happened in Louisville. Yeah. We're, we're talking, uh, whatever. Getting to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. What a finish. Everybody at the University of Auburn that is either the head coach or related to defense needs to pack their stuff into boxes. What the hell were you? You rushed two? You you really think Milrow is going to run for 31 yards on a fourth down play with 30, with what, 13 seconds left? I mean, it was an abysmal call. You, what are you doing? You could have ended this debate right now. Like, what are you doing? Right. Auburn, like Bama, that there's still a chance now that they tie they can sneak in somehow. If they beat Georgia, you could actually have the conversation. And if they beat Georgia, I think Michigan does go to number one because they wouldn't want to rematch 
in the first round of the playoff. There's absolutely no way that that Georgia could get um if if Georgia loses, there's no way you can't put Michigan at number one. Michigan but would go Bama, to one, Washington would go to two, Florida State would go to three, and then it becomes do you take Bama or Georgia? I think you would have to take Bama. If they beat the best team in the country, and especially after the win against Auburn, Auburn like Auburn was gets, the better team in that game. Where, they it were. Gets, where it gets interesting though is that Bama is still behind Texas, and Texas is also eleven and one, and Texas has the head to head win. It so, is, but you know the committee. They, they, they I know the committee, but it's it's not drunk on the SEC Kool Aid. It's not inconceivable that if if Alabama beats Georgia, it's not inconceivable that no SEC team gets in, which would be uncharted territory in the last year of the four. That'd be the yeah. definition. SEC backers would be like, "See, this is the definition of why we're going to twelve teams. This yep. right here, this can't stand. We need well, an SEC what, team in the playoff." You know what, you know what <laughs> they'd say, and I know what they'd say because I live around them. You know what they'd say? What's that? Well, Texas is basically an SEC team now. <laughs> they're, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Texas got the news early. Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and I want to connect you with an opportunity to get started or even get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profits, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit my page, signupexpert.com grind, you'll be able to get connected to all the sportsbooks in your area, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register using my link, you will automatically receive all the top offers at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you always have the best access to all the available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of all these benefits and support the podcast, sign up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash grind. Again, that's signupexpert.com slash grind. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes. Finishing up the podcast here. Nick, it's been a tremendous, tremendous football weekend. I hope this is just the start of a tremendous winter talking about both pro and college football. I really hope this is just the groundbreaking. Even though the pro football, I mean, majority of it was putrid this week. Sorry. It it, it just was. It was bad. Yeah. Um, College, quite the opposite. Every game pretty much was competitive. It was beautiful to watch. Except for the last game of the day that I watched, which was the Cal-UCLA game. That, that game was over oh pretty damn quick. Oh, my God, what a disaster. <laughs> By the way, um, very funny to me. So I'm, I'm reading all these articles all week about Washington State and Washington have signed an agreement to continue the Apple Cup despite moving mm-hmm. to new conferences next year. Oregon and Oregon State are working on doing the same. Texas, uh, Texas Tech has volunteered to 
shift dates with Oregon further down the road so that Oregon can play Oregon State next year. We'll see if that's able to work itself out. Uh, UCLA and Cal, still no, uh, still no respect over there. Still no, um, still a lot of hatred going on. UCLA has been forced to schedule Fresno State as their big closer to next year. The first year in the Big Ten. And they have to play Fresno State on rivalry weekend. Go Bulldogs. Why, if we're just having these agreements... Why disband the Pac-10? Why? If we if they're going to play the games anyway, it it boggles the mind, Joe Leo. There's no we, explanation. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? I I get for the nostalgia and the rivalry factor, but hey, guess what? Just get a TV deal done and keep the Pac-10 in existence. I wonder if this is like. Because Oregon State and Washington State are now the sole owners of the Pac-2 brand, as you know, and they've yes. uh, they've they've won the lawsuit. How much of this is just them floating, flaunting their money around and like, F- you, we're doing it our way. Hey, you want to play us? Come on, we'll give you a little kickback. Let's get an overreactions. You see, yes, you had a college one it. in the break. So I I do have a college one. We have a, a sneak attack coming. Oh boy! It wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be right of me to to bail on my uh, my Florida State non-believing. Now I'm going to stick with it to the bitter end. Louisville is going to beat Florida State, but that's not the real overreaction because I've been planning my road trip to Texas <laughs> for this spring, uh, and and Austin, Texas is going to be rocking with the Longhorns slide themselves into that fourth spot in the college football playoff by throttling Oklahoma State this weekend. Won't even be close, in my opinion. I mean, they just took Texas Tech by the woodshed 57-7. to It looked like last year's college football playoff national championship. Mm-hmm. Texas is ready to roll. The man brought props. I was prepared. Props to you for actually pulling out an atlas an actual physical map, which probably 60% of this audience doesn't know what an atlas or or an actual physical map $20 looks like. $20 at Barnes & Noble. Quite the Black Friday deal. That's it? 20 bucks for that? That's actually a pretty damn good deal. Yeah. But, and I had, I had the membership, so, you know, I got oh, I it for too. 19 I do, too. It's one of the great members. Call me a nerd all you want. I just bought three books. I- I- I'm good for the next year and a half in terms of... I have, like, six books on deck. I'm good for the next, like, year and a half. My first overreaction, we have not talked about this game at all. It was the best game of the weekend. It was probably the best game of the year so far. Bills, Eagles in the overtime thriller with Josh Allen falling short yet again, now 0-6, including playoffs in overtime. Yeah. It, it, yet again falling short when he needed he didn't play bad but in the big moments he always just shrivels up and and that's that's why i've never been high on josh allen or one of the reasons but that's not my overreaction my overreaction is the bill should blow it up after this year mm. complete michael bay the damn thing put tnt all over it and just blow it up like uh, Wiley Coyote with some mm. Acme Dynamite. Sean McDermott is who he is. He's a good head coach. He's not a great head coach. 
He's Kevin Stefanski. They're the same speaking guy. Of, speaking of Kevin Stefanski, uh, big law. Lo- the Bra- the Broncos won again. I mean, Broncos country. Let's ride. But the Bills. I mean, what are you winning? Seriously, what like your championship window? At least the first one. If you really <laughs> think Josh Allen is this all world quarterback, the first window's done. You have to retool. Honestly, I think you should blow it up and move on from Josh Allen, personally. And I think you should fire Sean McDermott at the end of the year. Completely just blow it up, overhaul it. Because bring Tyrod Taylor back after Tommy DeVito wins the the Giants backup quarterback job. You can't win in this. Like, they're not beating the Chiefs. They're not. They're not beating the Ravens right now. No. The Jets, as far-fetched as it possibly could be next year, I don't think they're beating the Jets with Rodgers if Rodgers is healthy, if he's back to even 80% of Aaron Rodgers from years before. They are a 6-6 six and six football team right now. It is very plausible for them to finish under 500. So... You have talent on this roster. You can recoup some draft picks. Josh Allen would get a massive haul if you put him on the block. Oh, my God, yes. This is the time for the Bills to look themselves in the mirror, understand that at the best, they are the third best team in the conference. They would need some unbelievable luck. Actually, fourth best team. If Burrow's healthy, they're not beating Burrow. Burrow went to their building. I was going to say, the only reason they're the third best team right now is because Joe Burrow is hurt. I right, watched so the, Jake Browning play live. They're, well, not live, but, you know, live on, yeah. on Cincinnati local television. <laughs> Another game that was, I was the one Steeler guy surrounded by <laughs> Bengals. You know, it's it, it, it was rough for the old uh, Matre clan this weekend. I'm not buying what the Bills are selling. Sorry. That's my first overreaction. Well, you know, sticking with the AFC, they they just keep finding ways to get it done, these guys. Um, guy, guys get hurt. Guys get injured. We, we lose people. But you know what? We're heading toward a second MVP season for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens mm-hmm. are the best team in this conference right now. Didn't think this is where you were going to go, but... I, you, did you think I was going to go Steelers? I, I thought it was Steelers or another direction, mm. more in the terms of where I'm going to go with my second overreaction. Mm. But well, the Steelers are going to set an NFL record this year, I predict, as the team with the worst point differential to record <laughs> ratio in history. Currently, it's sitting at seven and four in the number one wild card spot with a negative 36 point differential. I mean, this is absolutely unheard of territory. Mike Tomlin, coach of the year. But L- Lamar Jackson is doing this with, I mean, it, it, it's the Chargers, I get it. But he's doing this, <laughs> he's doing this with Keaton Mitchell as his running back and, and Isaiah Likely as his tight end. And a 40-year-old Odell Beckham out there catching passes. <laughs> this, this is an MVP season. I know the numbers don't really... 
177 yards passing. The numbers don't really show this, but this is a this is a MVP. This team would be abysmal without this guy. You know what this this MVP race is for me? What do you got? This is going to exclude a lot of people that aren't Yankee fans, but and who have never been to Yankee Stadium. But if you've ever been to Yankee Stadium, in in between, I believe it's the sixth and seventh inning. In between that inning change, they have the Great American Subway Race. You know, Milwaukee has the condiments. In Washington, they have the the, the presidents. Yep. New York, we know what we are. We have the subway race on the, on, on the on the big board. And it's like in the in the subway race when let's say the four trains winning and then all of a sudden the B train just comes out of nowhere and swipes the win out of out from underneath. Yep. It literally comes from not it's not even in the picture and just charges ahead. That's what Lamar Jackson is for me in this MVP race. It's oh, well Tua could be here. No, CJ Stroud no, it's going to be Purdy. And then Lamar just comes out of nowhere. It's, hi, here's my numbers. I'm on the best team in the AFC, record-wise. Yep. I, I, I'll where just steal did, the Mr. MVP. where did he come from? Right. And it's going to be, I think, between him and the next guy I'm going to talk about for my second overreaction, Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes for MVP, but if they do what I think they are going to do, he is going to win yet another MVP. And Nick, yeah. Chiefs are not losing again for the, the rest of the year. That includes the Super Bowl. They will just steamroll from now until February. They won't lose again. Are they, you ready for the, the Swifty apocalypse that's going to descend on the Super Bowl building in Houston <laughs> this year? No, it's in Vegas. Oh, it is in Vegas. That's right. Oh, my God, even better. <laughs> I mean, this is the remaining schedule. It, it, they have they're, they're in Read Green Bay me. next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we already Home talked about Buffalo. that. That's a win. Oh my God, win! Monday night in New England. What the hell were the schedule makers doing there? Yeah. Home for for Vegas on Christmas Day. Next up on New Year's Eve, they have the uh, Joe Burrowless Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And then they finish the year off in L.A. against the team that should be playing in San Diego, the Chargers. I mean, the words of, uh, in the words of the great Michael K., my goodness. I mean, this is... We talk, we talk about the Lions the last two weeks as being cupcake-filled. <laughs> right? This is, this is like the, the, the entire bakery. I mean... <laughs> Oh my I mean, god! Yeah, they finish Cream up at, puff schedule. And Mahomes, like I, I said it uh, for the picks that I, I, I thought Mahomes and, and the Chiefs were going to make a, a statement, and they kind of did, going down, just handing the the Raiders fourteen points. But they're not going to lose, and they'll get primed and ready. Mahomes will probably have the one seed because the Ravens will probably drop a game or two, mm-hmm. and. The Chiefs will have the better overall conference record. So, how can you not pick him as MVP? I think that's a good place to end. This has been a jam packed episode. Nick, tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. At the Vinyl Lounge, at Bowie's, you know what it is the bad ideas coming at you. Um, 
big prep going on for uh, recording sessions coming up soon. Gotta love that. Um, follow us on Instagram at the underscore bad underscore ideas underscore. I'm on all social medias at Nick Parodies. Uh, I haven't had a chance to review any movies lately, but I'm sure that will be changing as I am anxious to see The Killer on Netflix, the new David Fincher vehicle. Me too. Featuring uh, the great Michael Fassbender. And uh, yeah, catch me around Nashville. Say hi. Buy me a beer. You know, I love when people <laughs> buy me beers. That's always a good time. Shout out Sammy last night buying me a beer. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This is an absolute treat. And I will talk to you soon. All right, bro? Yes, sir. On this side of the coin, not the fake J. Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com, joeleo67 on threads, and of course, this podcast. If you reach this point, please like, subscribe, share this podcast with anybody who you see fit. If you're new to the show, please download the show. It means more to the show. Then you know if you're on Apple, please give us a review. Huge thanks to 7-Minute Stories, Feed Hudson Valley, and Bedstamp for sponsoring today's episode. In terms of the pod, I will probably have some NBA notes yet again on Friday. Maybe some baseball hot stove stuff, maybe, if the lead-up to the winter meetings is as simmering hot as it has been over the past week and a half. And, of course, locks of the week, which Jack, he's catching fire. Absolutely catching fire with the picks. Me, uh, not so much. I, I, I need to get it back in a gear here. But that'll be all wrapped up for you on Friday to enjoy. And until then, from the sweet words of Semisonic, it is closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.